don't fish with flies that have too long tails in the winter. It seems like pike have a tendency to to attack more often behind when the water's cold, as to when it's warmer, they attack more from the side. So you will have a lot of takes just, you know, maybe just attacking. If they, if they take the fly directly from behind it, it would be only... That was Morton Balour with a nice little tip for your next pike trip. The man behind A-Rex Hooks today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Morton Valour, who has one of the hottest hook companies on the market, is here to tell his story. We find out about some of their new hook surprises coming up this year, find out which resources he recommends for streamers, and who he thinks should be uh, you should be following. Stay here till the end with a little nice bonus that I'm going to tuck in if you if you stick around to the very end. Uh, so without further ado, here's Morton Valour from arexhooks.com. How's it going, Morton? All good here in Denmark. Awesome. Sun is shining. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's a really nice day. It's the middle of the summer here now, and fishing is great. So, yeah, all good here. That's cool. Yeah, we were just kind of just briefly chatting off here. I, I've interviewed a few people. I think um, uh, Martin Jorgensen uh, is one from your neck of the woods, and I've had a few people over around Europe, but... Um, this is great to get, uh, dig into it because your um, your name and your company has come up quite a bit, especially talking about pike and, and some other fly mm-hmm. tying and stuff. So I, I'm interested to hear how, how that all came to be. But maybe you can just first talk about how you first got into fly fishing and then how that came into your company. Yeah, that's a really good question. Maybe not a short one to answer, really. It's... it's uh... I've been, I'm, I'm 55 now, almost 55 at least, and uh, I've been fly fishing since I was, I was 18, but started fishing when I was five. Uh, I grew up very close to a small pond, and as everybody else, I started fishing there. And actually, we still, the company is actually only still only 200 meters from the pond, so I'm, I'm kind of back to my roots doing this now. But I've been in the industry, fly fishing industry, since I was 18, Worked in a shop uh, where we had general sporting goods, you can say, but and fishing was one of them. And there I started fly fishing and well as well. So I was eighteen when I started fly fishing. Did you just jump into as far as um, species? Was it brown trout, pike? What was the first thing you got into? As a kid, it was uh, I think mostly perch and and smaller species like whitefish. That's that's what is that's in the lake down here in the small pond here. And uh, when I grew older, I started pike fishing when I could start riding my bikes around my area here. And we have a lot of small pike lakes here. So that was the next species on my list. Brown trout and, and sea run brown trout came on later, actually, when I was a grown up. So I, I grew up with the with, uh, yeah, perch, uh, whitefish and pike, I would say. That's the main species from the beginning. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So you started, so you're in the uh, the shops over there and, and getting into that. And then I know you've written some books and some articles. And then how yeah, you know, how did you true. bring that all into that? Yeah, maybe you can talk first about your books and then also and then how you brought that into uh, the company, uh, A-Rex Hooks. Yeah, because when, I was, when I, I was in the shop for maybe six or seven years and then I, I took some 
more education. And back in 95, my brother and I actually started a wholesale company just selling fly tying materials, mainly here in Scandinavia. And we actually, we've been doing that for almost 25 years, actually. We just sold that company a couple of years ago. And then out of that uh, came Arix. Uh, and, and the main reason actually was, uh, I don't want to blame other hook brands <laughs> or anything, but we, we experienced a lot of difficulties in having all hooks in all sizes in stock all the time. Oh, yeah. So I kind of felt there was a market out there. If you, and I didn't know if we, if we could do it better or not, and, and time will tell. But uh, that, that's why that's a route to to Arix actually. So yeah, so we, we actually, yeah we've been in the industry for many many years now. And it, it, but then again, uh, there's two things here. One thing is the fly fishing and what we are uh, our passion, and and the other thing is the uh you can call it the business side of of things but to me it's it's it kind of uh it's the same it's it's a passion both for the fly fishing and for 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 the hooks as well it's uh it's uh yeah it's a way of living actually i think a lot of people in this industry can recognize that it's and, and guides and and you probably as as, as well <laughs> it's it's hard to to uh, keep those things apart it is. It is. I was just editing a podcast. I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about that same thing, how, you know, you, you might not make a, a bazillion dollars, you know, but it's just a way of life and it's a pretty, oh, I know who it was. Exactly. It, was it was Matt Calise, the, uh, you know, with Loon Outdoors. Um, yeah. Matt, and, and he was saying that, um, yeah, that just that. He said, you know what? I, I asked him the question. I asked him, he's got some kids. He's got a seven-year-old that has yeah. caught like eight fish over 20 inches already. And I'm like, yeah. so if that kid becomes a guide, are you good with it? And he was like, yeah, I think it'd be awesome because he loves the industry. Yeah. Is that yeah. how you feel? You you kind of love the industry. Yeah, for sure. I know Matt quite well actually, and and uh, I have the highest respect for him and what he's doing. And I totally agree. It it is, uh, uh, as you said, you you'll never be super rich <laughs> selling fly hooks. Yeah. I know that, but it, it's it's a it's a really it's a fun job. You meet a lot of people. You can do what you like and love, and I think that's probably more important than anything else. And I think. From what you're telling, Matt is sharing that uh, the views and that. I I agree. It's it's uh, it's yeah. it's it how it how it is for for us at least for sure. That's cool. So who, right. Who are the other? Um, I mean, who's the other big company? I mean, I guess uh, is Partridge the? Are there how many companies are there competing with you guys in, in your neck? You know, in Europe, I guess, or that. Whole yes, world? there's a lot of brands out there. Oh, okay. Partridge, Jemco, Gamakatsu, Firehole. Uh, yep. And many Kona. There's a lot of brands, and I think, and the thing is, actually, to be honest, I think all these companies make a lot of very good hooks, and uh, and uh, and you can all say why are we better or anything. I don't think we are better, but I think we have maybe have come up with a few designs that people like and and think they, they would be very useful for their fishing. I think some of the hooks we made for. Musky, for example, has been quite well received, and 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 I think that actually comes out of our interest in fly fishing ourselves, and we have a kind of an idea how a hook should look and how it works. Uh, but I wouldn't say that we are much better than anybody else. I think we just we're very focused on what we are doing, 
and we don't pay too much attention to what other companies are doing. I, as I, I know them quite well because we've been wholesalers back in the day, so I know them quite well and have respect for them, and and I, they're doing a good job, and and we just try to do a just as good job. I would say exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, well, and your hooks and that, and I. You know, like I said, there's been a few people that have talked about, you know, when I asked the question, which hooks, occasionally I ask what, what hooks you use, you know, and your name comes up. So when you talk mm-hmm. about the muskie or, or pike hooks or some of that stuff, or just streamers in general, can you describe your hook and how maybe it is a little bit different than something else that's out there or how it's unique? Yeah, I think it's actually two things you're asking about here because I, I'm, I want to separate it a little bit. If you look at the predator side, if you look at pike and muskie, that's one thing. Then you have the whole scene around the what we call trout predator, mm-hmm. guys hunting for big trout with big streamers. Uh, you have a lot of well-known names out there doing that. Uh, and, and, yeah. and I think that's a pretty, that's a growing thing, I would say. So I think both... Both areas, if we start up with pike and, and muskie and even maybe some of the bigger saltwater species as well, I think we have a fishing pike myself, I think, and we all do over here actually, I think we have a pretty good idea how the hook should look. Uh, and it's something to do with uh, weight uh, weight of the hook and hook gap. Yeah. If you build big streamers, you want still want a big hook gap and, and you want it strong enough so you can't make them too light. If it's uh, but if you have a surface light, you want it lighter and all that. Mm. And I think we know that. I think we we got that in our blood and know how we want the hook f- for exactly that. And I think that is recognized by mm-hmm. both pike fishermen and musky guys. So uh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But when it comes to the the trout side of things, we don't have these big uh, trout over here, and it's not. Um, I think this it, it it came out of America or US the these the hunting for the big yeah. trout and but we have one guy over here who's really good at it and that's Andreas Anderson oh, yeah. you probably yep. heard that name oh, yeah. as well yep uh, and he's a very good friend of mine and he he helped out creating a building more or less all the hooks we have in that category and uh, so and he, that was out of his experience from from the US and being friends with uh, Ross Madden and a lot of the other guides in the U.S., so we got a lot of intel from from really very experienced anglers and fly fishermen on that that series of hooks. So gotcha. I think that's what we're doing. We we list some of the things we know ourselves from experience, and where we don't know anything, we just we listen to the people yeah. doing it every day. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That's awesome. Um, Okay, so basically, yeah, I mean, like you said, one of the biggest tips is you listen to your customers and your and your you know your people to let them tell you what to do. I mean, can you describe the process for somebody who doesn't know how a hook? I mean, you, you could talk a lot about the design. You've talked a little bit about there, but how does a hook actually become? What what does that process look like? Where does it you know from your idea from a design you're out there fishing and you think you know you're going to do this? Can you talk a little bit about the manufacturing and how all that works? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it always comes up as an idea when you're fishing, actually, or maybe mm-hmm. not ourselves, but friends and people just writing. Uh, we have this kind of fishery. We really need a hook that looks like this. And then we we look into that and see if there's any. Th- One thing for sure we need to check is, is there a big, big enough market 
to do this because mm. one of the issues with uh, hook manufacturing is uh, is the amount of hooks you need to order just to right. make a new design. Mm. Uh, so, how many is that? What typically on average? How many do you? It's like a yeah, thousand or a ten thousand or? Ah, uh, we we are looking. Most companies today, in in we, we're not manufacturing the hooks ourselves. We mm-hmm. we are we're working with uh, both Japanese, Norwegian, and French hook manufacturers oh, cool. who are specialists in doing that, and they will make you the hook you want. And it depends on which company you're working with, but most of the companies are asking a hundred thousand hooks per oh, wow. size. So, wow, <laughs> it, it, it's uh, so you need to be. Huh. You need to be pretty sure that it's a hook that will. Have you had Have you had a situation where you got a hundred thousand hooks and 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 they weren't good? You couldn't sell them. No, not 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 yet. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, I think we are different from other companies as well because we we don't mind actually if a hook doesn't become a huge seller or anything. If it it fills a gap hmm. and there's enough, uh, uh, you know, enough people wanting it. We're fine with that. We don't mind stocking a hook for maybe, let's say, a size in one model for several years. It's not uh, as long as we have other models and and sizes that sell mm. okay or, or well. I think we're fine with having sizes that don't do that. So I don't think we will ever discontinue models yeah. and, and just because it's not selling. Uh, gotcha. I think it's. Uh, I think you need to. I think you need to still be able to buy these special. I, I, I know for myself, I've been fly tying, fly, tying flies for more than 30 years. And, you, and I think you get pretty annoyed when you find a hook you really like and then this thing's discontinued. I think a lot of people can recognize that and, and I don't like that. So I kind of promised myself that we wouldn't do that. Oh, cool. <laughs> we'll see in 10 years. You can ask me again in 10 That's years right. if we did it. That's right. See if you're still going, if yeah. you're still going strong. Or, and you mentioned a bunch of companies at the start. Do is is it pretty much all those big companies? I mean, you're one of the big companies now in the world and, you know, in, in hooks. I mean, are they all using kind of the same companies for manufacturing or are there just a bunch of manufacturing companies? Yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not 100% yeah. sure about the different brands, but I, but I know, I think, in, to my knowledge at least, I know that uh, Gamakatsu have their own production. Oh, okay. So yeah, I was just asking about um, curious on um, the you know the manufacturers, but it sounds like that the, you don't know exactly, but there's probably a number of different manufacturers for some of the the big brands. Yeah, it's it's no secret who makes the hooks actually in the world. It's it's Mustard, it's VMC, it's a lot of uh, Japanese combi- mm-hmm. companies. They are manufacturing the hooks, and I think most of us are using these uh, yeah. manufacturers and. And the thing is, you could say, why doesn't the big companies do this themselves? And they do. A lot of these companies do have their own fly hooks as well. I think, I think the reason why there's a room for companies like us and other companies uh, alike is that we're specialists on fly fishing, and mm-hmm. you, and you know, fly fishing is a it's a special group of people and yeah. and uh, all i think all fly tires and fly fishermen have their own ideas how a hook should look and maybe these bigger companies all don't always have both the time and 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 interest in in doing such small numbers to be honest which fly fishing is compared to maybe uh, spin fishing for bass or something else yeah. so i think there's a room for for small companies like us and and others to 
to accommodate this and, mm. and make the hooks that the market or the fly tires want. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that makes if sense. That so, makes sense. Yeah, it does. So basically, yeah. so looking at the process, you have an idea, you have some concept in your mind. You you maybe send the company over a, a sketch, or do you do some sort of a like three D compute CAD design, or do you just yeah uh, yeah, send, yeah send over a design and then they get it and then they can just produce it and send. Do you get some samples that you can take a look at and actually use? Yes. Yeah, and then you yeah then you test it, then you say okay, this is good we, to go and, and go for the next. Then you they send you an order. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's that's actually how it works, and it, it's a that's a process. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. Um, we normally just get one size to check, and that's and that's also enough. You can just it is a different thing to have the hook in your hand, maybe tie a few flies on it, and you you notice that maybe the shank should be yeah. one millimeter longer yeah. or something like that, and the gap was a little bit too small, and it's small adjustments in there, but it's they are pretty important, I would say. It's uh, always always the last small touches that makes the hook great. I would say, hmm. it's uh, in my opinion at least. Yeah. How is the hook? Yeah. You know, the sharp. You know, the point and the the sharpness of the hook. I mean, can you talk about that, or is that pretty common that most of the good companies have a similar? You know, the point stay sharp. You know, how often? Maybe you can talk about that. Yeah. How, how often do you have to sharp sharpen your? Or do you sharpen when you're out there fishing for say pike? <laughs> I'm old fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> so me too. I do. honestly i don't think a lot of the new the hooks you see out in the market today most of them are really good quality and uh and are what you call chemical chemically sharpened so but then again you know yourself if you fish in a lake with rocks and and all that and you'll hit a rock now and then then you have to resharpen it for sure and i do that i i i think that's important to stay sharp all the time Mm-hmm. So, but I, but I think out of the box today, all all almost all hooks today are really good quality. I would say so. You you don't have to do it that often, and they are stronger today in the point than when they yeah, were they maybe ten years ago. So a lot of things have changed. To be honest, it's it's uh, and the process how they do it is more accurate and mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's. Gotcha. Uh, Gotcha. It's very actually, honestly, it's very. I think it's difficult to find a really bad hook out there today. It's uh, most companies are doing a really good job now. Gotcha. So if you're out there fishing for whatever species, pike or brown browns or anything, after you catch a number of fish, do you find that with your hooks or I mean, do you, do you should you have a sharpener with you to keep it sharp? Is that something? You no, do? not 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 if it's it, it's if it's only catching fish. I would say yep. you don't need to sharpen it. it it's more when you drag in the bottom, you get or, stuck in the bottom, or, or, gotcha. or hit a rock or something like that. Then, then you might want to resharpen. But otherwise, I think you'd be fine uh, with our hooks. For sure. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up. Uh, you know, Mustad. You mentioned Mustad. I grew up the. I think it was the thirty six eight nine zero. The steel. You know, it was yeah. our steelhead hook. The up eye. The black and. Man, I mean, I've I still you know I still have those hooks. I got piles of those things and. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look at that hook, say back when you started in the '80s or you know early '90s, you know, do you have first maybe what is your hook? What would be your recommendation for a replacement for if somebody was fishing for steelhead, um, or I guess you could maybe say Atlantic salmon? What, what would you say? What would be the comparable hook you guys have now? Hmm. Well, are, we, are we talking about a, a hook to tie on, or do you use a do you think a tube? I think, I oh, don't know oh right, much. right, right. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I wasn't even thinking tubes, but yeah, I was thinking to um, hooks to tie on. Do you guys do a, a lot of? Maybe you can talk about that. Yeah, do you do a lot of both? 
Yeah, because I think in, in Scandinavia, uh, tube fly fishing have taken over quite a lot from from standard uh, hooks, uh, flies tied on a hook. Uh, so, yeah, we do both uh, tube singles, tube doubles, and, yeah, over here we're allowed to use choose trebles as well. Uh, even though that is changing, I think uh, you're seeing more and more fisheries asking for either tube doubles or uh, an even tube singles, which is a good thing. I, I think we are moving in the right direction. You've been doing this for many, many years and only allowing people to fish with uh, tubes, singles, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's down to tradition, honestly. Yeah. It's been a, there's a long tradition for using trebles in both UK and Norway, Sweden, and even in Denmark. So, yeah, it, but it's changing. When it comes to salmon or steel hooks for tying, uh, we, we do have a few, two hooks for uh, for. For tying uh, uh, steelhead patterns on them, but we even have a, a few trailer hooks for if mm-hmm. you you if you tie a yep. intruder uh, or whatever. intruders and th- yeah exactly. So I think we got it covered now. But it is one of the areas we want to expand to. Mm-hmm. To be honest, and one of the hooks, and, and I'm actually telling a small secret, but I'm fine with doing that with you. Yeah, uh, right. We'll actually introduce, be introducing a bumper hook this fall, um, and. Uh, and some uh, good guys in the U.S. has been involved in that. Uh, Steve Silverio is one of them. You probably knew uh-huh. from Regal. Yeah. Oh, right. And right. he's been involved. Yeah. So he's been very helpful in, in that design and how it should look. So that, that'll be out in the fall. And what is that hook? Can you, can you say that again? What, what was that called? A bumper hook for bumper flies, uh, dry flies. Can you clarify exactly what that what that is? Uh, it's a... Uh, you know the, the deer hair fly where you have a haggle uh, wound through it. So it, it's, it looks like a. Oh yeah. It, it is called. I don't know. I don't have another name for that. I think it's called it'd be, bumper. Oh, oh, it'd be like bumper. a like a bomber like a bomber fly. Like a, yeah. A bomber. Sure. Yeah, yeah, bomber. Like a, yeah, it's just a basically spun or stacked deer hair with with a hackle going through the middle. Kind of a yeah. A, you can right, use it for a dry right. fly for steelhead or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And that's one of the new additions for for the fall. That's right. Actually, made right, we think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is that is that have a big? Yeah. I guess, like you mentioned, the gap. Does that hook have a, a bigger gap, or I guess any deer? Exactly, that's one of the issues. Yeah. yeah, right. That's one of the issues with the, that kind of hook. It's very important that you don't get the gap. The, the gap must have to have a certain uh, width. Otherwise, you you know, you know you will miss a few fish because you have the deer hair. Uh, and it, it takes up the space underneath the hook and all that. So we, we're taking that into consideration. So it's, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a ton of uh, things we can go, uh, you know, go go down some paths here. I mean, do you have, as far as the history of, of some of the hooks and kind of hook design, are you like, would you consider yourself kind of a history buff or is that something that you maybe don't know as much about? And I, and I asked, I guess maybe I'll just ask the question. The question I was thinking was, you know, again, going back to these older hooks, you know, the, the Sprout, Limerick, there's these different name, you know, names for styles of hooks. And I don't know, is that still, is that still kind of around and do you have different names? I mean, how do you name your, your hooks? I, I, obviously you have a numbering system, but how, can you describe that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually funny you ask because I think a lot of these names still, is still around oh, okay. and we use them as well. A limerick, for example, for the bend, I, and it, it, it's still a very popular bend. And and 
And uh, we are using that on mm-hmm. both our wet fly hooks, and we're working on a new, on a new streamer hook as well, where where we have the limerick bend, and I think it's still very appealing. You even see one of our hooks having an Ab- Aberdeen bend. So I think I think, you know, even though we think we are innovating and doing new stuff, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're still <laughs> stuck in tradition, and, yeah. and, and I think we should be. It's not a bad thing. No. I, I really I really like that. You know, growing up with fly fishing, it's it's pretty important. There's still some things that are recognizable, and uh, and I like that, and we we do that as well. And when it comes to naming, that's really really difficult. It's uh, you know, it's so easy that you put up put on a name and a hook, and then you kind of you you know you categorize it in one way but uh, and back in the days i think people were looking at that name and saying okay this is a pikewood i can't use this one for bass or uh, trout or anything like that but that has changed i think most people today is just looking at the hook and say okay this is a nice hook i can use this for mm. whatever That's i fish right. for so it's um so to be honest i would rather prefer not to give the hooks a name but sure. we do it anyhow but it's we shouldn't, to be honest. It should just just be a number so people can make up their own opinion on what they wanted to use it for. But uh, yep. yeah, that's a good but there point. we're a little bit stuck in tradition and put on a name anyhow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good point. Um, I wanted to dig into Pike here in, in a couple of seconds. Um, yeah. But uh, before we get there, can you just talk about maybe what your most popular hook um, style or number, you know, what is your most popular hook you guys sell? Yeah, it, it, it depends on where you are in the world. I would say if yeah. you're looking at the at the, in the U.S., I think our our the hook we call trout predator is mm-hmm. TP six hundred and ten to be precise. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the most popular hooks we have, and uh, I think number two now is the the six art uh, big stinger hook for musky hmm. but it's also it's also down to seasons a little bit so if if the musky season is on we sell more musky hooks if it's a trout season we sell more gotcha. trout hooks and the last couple of weeks it's been hex because the hex is hatching oh, and nice and uh, so it is very much down to what's it's a seasonal sales more or less now because i think a lot of people still tie flies when just the, the night before they go fishing yeah uh, i do that so that's awesome <laughs> So yeah, I think I think that's still a lot of people are still doing it. Even though that during the Corona uh, yeah. COVID nineteen crisis, I think a lot of people have been tying flies. That's not right. just the night before they go fishing, but that's right. Just tying flies in general. How is how is COVID in your area in uh, in Denmark? <laughs> we are fine fine yeah. now. Actually, I think we are more or less uh, back to normal. Uh, we've been very fortunate that no kidding. Our government yeah. government has taking good care of all this i think uh, and uh, we still need to take care i think we all do it's still yeah i think a lot of people yeah. in denmark kind of forgotten now that we even had a, a covid19 uh, pandemic are there people still wearing masks around there no no no, no masks in denmark at all look at that and you, did you go through no. a phase where you had masks no, not no, in Denmark. You didn't have you didn't have to have it. That's a, that's the amazing thing here is we're we're like the example of the I think the probably the worst case scenario of you know how we handled it because we're we're going through a second phase now of you know it's this crazy thing we're actually having a, yeah. an increase in um, 
so it's this bizarre bizarre thing but no it's good to hear things are good in in, in your neck of the woods I yeah but I th- yeah i agree it's good to hear but i think i think we all need to still pay attention that's that's yeah. uh, even though it looks quite good now i think still things we need to pay attention i think everybody should do that and right. take care of each other and keep a distance and all yeah. that i think I, I think this isn't over yet to be honest it's uh uh, yeah, and we see we do see a small outbreaks here and then, and but but they really taking good care of that. So and trying oh, to track where, track it exactly. where, where the they came from and all that. So we just cross our fingers. That's the key. Has your time yeah. uh, try? I mean, obviously, I, I I met you I think at um, IFTD last year. Yeah, a lot we did, of that. Yeah, a lot true. of that's been canceled. Has your year you know over the next year what you're looking out over the next year changed quite a bit now that the travel has kind of tra- changed? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And there will be. Yeah, there'll be almost no travel at all. Uh, and I even think, I think we've been talking about this. Uh, I think that will change how we work as well. I think a lot of meetings will mm-hmm. be held like we do now on uh, Skype or yep. Microsoft yep. meetings and all these new things. And I think I think that will change. And I, I think we'll travel less than we did before, uh, even though I think the airline companies would like that we travel a lot again. I think they're hurting a lot. But I don't think we will travel as much as we did before. And yeah, I think we'll do other stuff and maybe more meetings online and maybe keep it down to a few meetings a year traveling. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Things will change for sure. Um, Well, let's, let's dig in. I know you mentioned, uh, you know, Browns and Pike, but let's, I've had obviously, you know, uh, some, some big names, Kelly Gallup and I guess Kelly Gallup's more streamers and stuff like that. But uh, Gunnar Bramer, Mm -hmm. Gunnar Bramer was on and I'm sure we talked about, you know, you guys on that show. We talked a little bit about Pike, but yeah, let's, let's talk about Pike in your neck of the woods. Can you describe, maybe take us to your home water. It sounds like you fish more Pike in lakes. Um, but can you True. bring us to the water? Talk about maybe if you have a water you want to uh, describe and name, or if you want. If not, just talk about how you catch pike there. Yeah, I do two things actually. We're we're based in Denmark. It's a pretty. If you look at the maps, Denmark is a pretty flat country. I mm. think the highest point we have here in Denmark is 190 meters high, wow. which is it's nothing. No, 600 <laughs> feet. Yeah, a little hump. It's like a pancake. <laughs> so, yeah, it is like it lakes in Denmark. And I, I do travel quite a lot to Sweden to fish for pikes as well, uh, especially in the no- northern part of Sweden, which reminds, I think, probably is very uh, looks very much like uh, mm. Canada, I would say. Like it's more mountainous and, yeah. and it's, yeah, it's, it's more pristine as well. And it's a beautiful area. So mm. it's it, two different things. I think back home here, yeah, we got a lot of, uh, agricultural in, in the area and, and some of the lakes are you know maybe over fertilized a little bit so that's what we are f- facing here so my pike fishing I do most of it in the winter uh, because uh, the water is clearer and, and the fishing is maybe not easier because it's winter but it's just I just got the. I prefer to fish in clear water, yeah, to be honest. Gotcha. And the lakes do get green in the summer and all that, so it's winter fishing for me. Mm-hmm. And 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 most of that fishing is done in 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 smaller lakes, uh, shallow lakes. I prefer, to be honest. What's a uh, small? Just, what, what would be a small size uh, lake? Yeah, what's small? It's a uh, like a like a. I'm thinking two I'm tra- acres, maybe two acres. Okay, something yep. like yeah. That's pretty. I think that's small mm-hmm. <laughs> in mm-hmm. my world. So sure. it's. Uh, and they're not deep, maybe three to six feet deep uh, okay. is my 
uh, what I prefer because you can always we do have bigger lakes here and which are deeper for sure and and you have a great chance there as well but I think when it comes to fly fishing I think we we're better off with with uh, more shallow lakes and you I think you'll get closer to more fish if you fish uh, uh, more shallow water than you will do on a big lake where it's really deep and you need to use sinking lines and all oh, that. Sure. But I do that as well, but I prefer the, the other ones. So. Yep. And uh, another thing is that you, the pikes here are spawning in May. Okay. And we have a we have a period in April we are not allowed to fish. So the, the, the best season is from December until end of March. And, okay. and, uh, and they're really strong. They're big and... Yeah, and if you don't have a too cold winter, it's it's you can have some pretty good fishing at that mm. time of the year. Here. Nice, nice. So, and, so, and how do the you know as far as the you know the life history of pike? I don't you know know the whole what what you know when I guess they spawn like you said in, in May. Um, and so, but are they getting pretty big in these small lakes? And how are they? You know, I guess oh, sounds yeah. like there's lots of growth, lots of sun, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that it, it's. Uh, it's maybe the advantage of some of these lakes being a little bit uh, over fertilized. There's yeah. a lot of whitefish in these lakes, so uh, they they got pretty uh, got a lot of food. So yeah. it's it's they they're growing. I think the the downside is that these small lakes get very warm in the summer, so they don't add any weight in the summer. They do it in the fall, winter, and maybe early spring. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, but if if you have a healthy lake, you'd still they'll still grow pretty. Pretty big sizes. I think we the lake I fish. We will have them. We have them up to twenty five pounds there, something like oh, that. Wow. Which is very. That's nice. a decent pike. And, nice fish. and the same thing you'll you'll find in a lot of waters in Sweden, especially especially the northern part of Sweden. You have a lot of easy accessible good pike lakes up there because they don't leave a lot of people up there, and it is not fished hard for pike. They're more into trout, grayling, salmon, and okay. all that. So you. Can, even though pike fishing has become more, more and more popular as well, mm-hmm. so it's still it's still a pretty it's still a small spot. But you probably I think one of the most important guys over here making this uh, pike making pike fishing popular is Nicholas Bauer, and uh, he, he is he's done a great work in in and it is also a way to, to uh, now I'm talking something about something else, but mm-hmm. it's also a way of attracting young people to fly fishing actually because pike is easy accessible it's not expensive oh, right. you don't need a lot of expensive gear either so it's a really way good mm. way to start fly fishing and that's for pike that's especially in, in, in countries like sweden where you have a lot of lakes it's it's easy to everybody has a lake within maybe five miles of the house so it's just very, you can just go there yeah and, yeah as opposed to uh, like what well, atlantic salmon i guess is the extreme right that's where yeah yeah, yeah that's the extreme right. version but no that's a good point and yeah. even yeah. yeah and even trout fishing over here is not that easy accessible to be honest it's it's i think you're i think you're lucky in the u.s it's you have it's 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 pretty it is pretty easy to to access good fishing in the u.s it's not as easy over here i would say so it's uh, uh not in denmark at least sweden is easier that's right. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty cool to have pike. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, pike is seems like it's really kind of. I don't know if it's blowing up yet, but people realize that yeah, pike is an amazing fish to, to get into. Can you bring us to the to the water? I mean, what's what are you fishing out of, or are you waiting? I mean, t- take us to the water. Say one of those two acre lake or ponds. You're going for pike. You know, 
talk about the rod, reel, uh, line, yeah. and then and then what you're using to get into these fish. Exactly. Uh, I'm using a float tube. I'm a float okay. tube guy. Perfect. I've done it for tw- almost 20 years now, and I love it. What float tube? Do you have a, a, a name of a company you like? Or? Uh, Outcast. Uh, the, right now we have an Outcast Prowler. It's it's uh, it's a fantastic uh, a fantastic float tube. Yeah, really good quality, and uh, I really love my my float tube. I've tried uh, kayaks. I've tried uh, other kind of boats and things like that. But I'm not. I'm. I'm never be a boat guy. I'm. I'm a. I'm a float tube yeah. guy. So that's what I do, and it's you know, and the, in these small lakes, it, you don't need a boat. You need you don't need a kayak, or anything else. You, it's much easier to get around in your float tube. So a typical day there would be yeah, my float tube packed with fly boxes and two rods normally, one for surface fishing and one for streamers. I, I prefer uh, around six to eight weight. I know that's probably a little bit lighter than what you yeah. hear maybe in the US and even from the Dutch guys, the Dutch guys are using 10 weights, 12 mm-hmm. weights. Um, I think it's, I think the reason for that actually, this difference between countries there is that in, in, in Holland or in Netherlands, the fish were really big, very, uh, very big flies, quite heavy uh, with a lot of material because the lakes are very unclear. All right. So I think they need a bigger rod to cast these, streamers and up here where you may be fishing clearer water you can fish a little smaller flies mm-hmm. and lighter flies as well which you can easily cast on a six weight using a shooting head or something like that so it's um so that's the normal my normal setup it's a it's a shooting head system uh with uh i do have both floating and intermediate and sinking lines for the lakes for the shallow lakes i always use my intermediate line for streamers and my floating light for Floating light if I use a popper or surface lure or something like that. Perfect. So it's, uh, yeah, and then it, the fish, fishing there in general when you fish winter, it's pretty cold water. Hmm. So you you need, I think there's a few things you need to pay attention to when you fish for in that in, in the winter is you need to fish slowly. Uh, so you don't, you can't use really heavy flies with big leaded, uh, lead eyes or anything like that. It will sink too fast. So lightweight flies and a light, uh, maybe intermediate line is what mm-hmm. I'm preferring, and 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 fish them pretty slowly. Yeah. Normally, if it's a cold winter, you only you only get one chance with each fish because they lose using a lot of energy to attack your your bait. Uh, they will even use a lot of energy to attack a small fish as well, for sure. So you you need to you need to get them when you got you need to hook them when you get the, mm-hmm. the attack. So I think, uh, yeah, slow slow retrieves and 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 not too big flies is is that's what I'm using and it it works pretty good. Gotcha, gotcha. And is the retrieve the slow retrieve? Is that kind of like a, a what are you doing? Like pulling? How what does that retrieve look like? Are you mixing up quite a bit, or yeah. is there a pretty standard retrieve in the winter? Yeah, it's pretty standard. But I, th- I like to, especially in the winter, I prefer to pause quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like they even have a lot of a lot of takes when the fly was just kind of hoovering in the water, hmm. and uh, it's uh, I think a lot of people forget that a little bit, especially in the winter. It doesn't matter matter in the summer, but in the winter you need to pause a lot. And even sometimes when I've finished the retrieve, I just let the fly hang in the water just in front of me, and I have quite a few takes right in front of me hmm. because 
seems like they you've just followed the fly maybe for eight or ten meters without attacking. And then when it stands still on, in front of the belly boat, they can't resist and they, they attack anyhow. So, yeah, slow retrieves. Another small thing here, a small tip maybe, is that don't fish with flies that have too long tails in the winter. It seems like pike have a tendency to to attack more often behind right. when the water's cold, as to when it's warmer, they attack more from the side. So you will have a lot of takes just, you know, maybe just attacking. If they, if they take the fly directly from behind it, it will only uh, bite the tail if you have too long a tail. So it's uh, shorter, shorter tails. Maybe even a, you can use the trailer hook as well. I'm not too happy about having two hooks on my flies, but... If 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 you do it, that will increase catches. I think if you have a trailer hook, or just make the tail shorter. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, that you know that's a, those some good tips there. So, and when you talk about flies, maybe we can just jump into. I have a little segment, the two twenty two, which is top two flies, top two tips, top two resources, and you know for this, mm. if we're talking about flies, what, what pattern? If you're describing that, you know, you're, we're in a shallow, or three to six foot lake, and you're kind of out there fishing in your float too. What what would be a couple of good patterns we might be able to look up online? I'm really a big fan of Popovich's flies. I think he he he's very lightweight, uh, easy to cast. Uh, so my my patterns are variations of of uh, beast flies, you could say reverse tied bucktails and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. Color wise, black, maybe probably black is number one. White number two. He also Popovich classics. I would say if you read his books, it's uh, that's. I think he, white is his number one and black is number two. But for me, it's it's vice versa a little bit. But I think I think both work really really well. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I think the, it, for me, it's not so much about patterns. It's more like it's more important that they, they are super lightweight. I yeah. even have uh, flies made just out of. Flashaboo, which is spun in a dubbing loop and then hmm. uh, and then turn around the hook and and it and it's uh, and it creates a very lively fly which is very lightweight. So I think weight for me is more important than how the fly is, is dressed or if it's a, a specific pattern. But if you're looking to patterns, Bob Popovich yeah. for sure. Okay. He 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 knows what he's doing. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Brammer, because you are gonna Brammer. Yeah. Same thing. I think he is inspired by Popovich as well. I think we yeah, all yes. are when it comes to these big flies. He's he's been yeah, he's, he's such an important fly tire and in and, and and I think all of us are inspired more or less by him. It's uh that's right. Yeah, that's and maybe right. adapted it a little bit, but it, it, it comes from him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, sure. Gunner, Gunner did talk about uh, Popovich, and I haven't had him on yet, but we've talked on email, so he'll we'll get him on uh, as well sometime yeah. soon. Okay, so and then the color. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. listen to that. I'll listen to that one. For oh, good. Sure. It, good. It's, uh, it, he, he's the master in my world. What, sure. what, what, what question? If you had to ask uh, Popovich a, a question, what, would you have one that would come to mind, or do you pretty much have you read all the stuff? You know, kind of all all his his uh, you know how he does. Uh, it? I think I think yeah, I've read all his stuff for sure. I think you need to if you mm-hmm. if you really if you're really keen on on predator fishing. It doesn't matter if it's pike or musky or bass, yeah. uh, but all these yeah. big predators. I think you need to read his books. Uh, yeah, I would I'd probably ask him where he got all, he, because he must have fished quite a lot. I, uh, otherwise, he's a very smart guy who can figure it out. Because yeah. I think what I like about his book is it, it's, it's based on 
it's based on facts actually he he's he has fished a lot he must have mm-hmm. so i would i would just probably just curious how, how much how he does get that much time for fishing exactly. and <laughs> developing all these techniques and doing it so well that's right so he's yeah that's right so you met you mentioned the flashaboo fly so is that fly so you're just literally it's it's just a a wider black uh kind of a bright thinly design you know thinly designed flashaboo fly no, the flashy blue flies I normally do in, in other colors. I think it's more the beast flies I do in black oh, okay. and white. As big, but you can, I do have flash flies in black as well. But if, when it, they got a similar design, you could say. But I think with the flash, you can add more color to it, uh, like gold, silver, and yeah, whatever color you would like. I yeah. think today you can get almost all colors in flashy blue. So it's everything. And even holographics and pearls and all That's that. Right. So there's a lot of. So you can. But to be <laughs> to be honest, and and I've tried I tried so many different colors, and I it, it, it seems like the more you fish, the the fewer flies you actually use. I think you're getting your basics right, and I don't, so I know it sounds boring, but it it it, it do come down to black, silver, uh, you know, gold, copper, and and yeah, and black and white when it comes to the beasts and 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 bucktail flies. Yeah, it is. It, and the chartreuse now and then for sure the chartreuse oh chartreuse right important. that's right yeah okay and, and what <laughs> for would some be reason. what would be your hook uh, that you guys have that would be good with uh, those flies or is there a number of different ones you might use for yeah i have i have one one hook in particular actually which and then then we are back to the names and naming which yeah. is actually a hook out of the trout predator series it's called the 615 it's a it's a long shanked uh, lightweight uh, hook in in and I use a four o which is my preferred size for pike fishing, and then I just pinch the barb because we don't need barbs on pike fly fishing to be honest. Back to naming of of uh, you know it, it's it is difficult because trout predator and predator overlaps quite a lot so it, it's uh i use the trout predator 615 and even the 6 610 it's a uh, it's a pretty uh, two good hooks for that as long as they're lightweight and strong enough to hold a big fish and i think the 615 is that uh, it might be something different if you're fishing a big stream or where you have a lot of power in the water but i think for pond fishing you, you don't need anything else than that to be honest that's what it sounds like your, your area maybe is a little unique um well i know the cool thing is there's lots of small ponds all around the world so that that's a great a great thing but yeah i mean like you said lots of guys there's guys fishing in deeper water and have dark you know water that they can't the visibility isn't as good so there's all sorts of different conditions but for the condition you're describing which is pretty clear water in the winter uh, a light a light hook and yeah yeah that, that sounds yeah. I mean, that's the way i'd love because it's for to me you know, casting a gigantic heavy and using a 12 weight or right or even a 10 weight is mm. that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Although rods are better now, uh, obviously, than they used to be. Um, what's your recommendation? Do you have a um, a rod, uh, you know, company or anything you you know you like to use out there? Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm I'm a Scott guy when it comes to yeah. rods. I and right right now I fish for. Uh, for pike, I use my Radian 908, mm-hmm. which is a very good rod. And I even tried the new saltwater rods for, for pike fishing, the oh, new cool. Scott sector. And um, uh, I don't know how much you're into Scott rods, but I think 
in my in my opinion for pike fishing at least i'm not the saltwater guys need to talk about saltwater fishing with the new rods but i think actually i think scott has made a really really good pike rod in the new scott sector even though it's meant meant for saltwater because it's it's uh it's uh yeah it's much more forgiving than the old meridian they had uh, i think a lot of saltwater guys preferred the meridian because they could, could cast longer and all that but for practical fishing sitting in a float tube uh scott sector eight weight uh, is perfect for that and it's it's not too stiff uh it, it's, it's a really nice rod for that so yeah radians or scott sectors that's the two rods i prefer for that perfect, perfect. great rods both yeah, of them that's great yeah. yeah i haven't i haven't used uh, a scott too, too often but i know the um i'll have to check our local fly shop i have a uh we have an affiliate uh, deal set up with our local, the Gorge Fly Shop. So if anybody listening out there, okay. yeah, I wanted to check out. Um, I, I believe they they have Scott, but I'll have to double check. If they do, I'll put a link in the show yeah. notes to, to that rod you're talking about. Those, yeah, those rods. So um, yeah, yeah, and when it, you yeah. know when it when it comes to reels and lines and all that, it's uh, as I said, it's it's more for me. It's um, it's a shooting head system, and I use mm-hmm. scientific anglers for that. Uh, there's a lot of good lines out there, but scientific angles and I've all been always yep. been scientific angles for me, so that's what I'm using. There you go. Um, and and then for reels, it's waterway slams and reels, but yeah. it could be anything. It but I really anything. like the design. I think you know Scandinavians and design is, is something that lives together. So I think uh, this the water slams and reels are appealing to me. So that's, yeah, that's it's, it. Uh, it's nice reels, really nice reels. Yeah, there's there's, so, there's a ton of good stuff. Okay, well let's keep. So we got yeah. um, that flies on that two twenty two. So and you mentioned some tips. Any other, a couple of tips you want to throw out there for uh, for fishing, like we're talking about for pike? Yeah, I, I think I have a, f- a few small. It's it's small things, but that's something. Make you know you know how that is. It's, it's sometimes the small things that are the most important. Uh, one thing I actually just discovered recently. Uh, I've had a really hard time to find the right wire uh, for pike fishing. As a yeah, and it, it I just noticed that I just it's not because I had uh, have any uh, gain from this, but I think the new uh, scientific analysts just made a new seven times seven strand wire, which is really really nice for pike fishing. They got a twenty five pounds and a forty five pounds on that one, and I prefer the twenty five pounds. It's it's a, just a fantastic wire. And it's notable. You can you can make your knots on it and all that. It's really nice to use. And I just I just connect it to a piece of uh, fluorocarbon. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter what what kind of uh, you, you can what's use. The, what's the knot you use? What what do you t- t- tie? Uh, yeah. To, yeah. Between the between the wire and the um, and the uh, the monofilament or maybe fluorocarbon, I'd use just a surgeon's knot or if you even know what to, you can even use, I think you got some connectors now. I think it was not too kinky made some connectors many years ago. I still have a few of those where you have two small holes where you can you do your knot and all that. They're quite nice. Okay. And then I use as some just a small snap lock to to tie on the uh, put on the fly. Yeah. That's I know that's small things, but. It is really hard to find the right wire. I don't want it to be too stiff or too soft. Mm, right. You don't want to curl up when you have you got the first pike. And I've seen a lot of wires just curl yep. when you had that's the first fish, and that's really annoying, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, 
Yeah, it was just a small thing, but it's yeah. yeah that's great. That's great. Yeah. So and bring a towel when you're pike fishing in the winter. Your hands will get cold. <laughs> oh, bring it to bring a towel just to keep your hands warm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Because what is it like? Hands. What is it? What, if you're out there in December, you know, how cold does it get out there? Can it get? Yeah, it, it's. I, I'm not so good with Fahrenheit, right. but in, in, Den, in Denmark it will be zero degrees, and I, I'm okay. not sure what it is in Fahrenheit. But yeah. it's uh, it's just before it's the right the, the freezing, yeah. Yeah, before it's so the it doesn't water get freezing. so. Yeah, you're not getting down to like way way below zero. Um, no, otherwise the, the the lakes will just, oh, uh, just freeze up, up and we're not. Right. So I'm I'm trying to, and and you know the that's the backside of all this with the climate change and all that. I think we don't have ice right. in the winters anymore, which is good for fishing. I'm not sure if it's good for for the nature, but it's it's uh, it allows us to fish all re- all year round now. Actually, it's I think it's more than four or five years ago that we couldn't go fishing when in the winter. So it is getting warmer here as well. As it is everywhere in the world, I think. So, so it's it's uh, yeah, which allows us to fish more for pike in the winter. But yeah, yeah, that's that is, yeah, that's the, glo- the global warming. We, we won't dig in too much on that. There's a whole no. You know, it's I, I'd topic. love to. I'd love to dig into it too because there's a, a lot of good stuff there, including like um, I have a friend that we just. Um, Oh, he was doing some some work at his property, and he he got a new um, a new Tesla. He had a new Tesla in the garage, and I haven't even driven yeah. I haven't even driven in a Tesla yet. But you know, it just goes back to that thing, like all this stuff. And that's the cool thing about fly fishing is right. We're all in this this uh, industry. It's really conservation minded. So I think that's one of the great things. Do oh you, yes. Do you oh, notice? Yes. Do you notice that in Denmark, you guys are probably ahead of the curve on a, a lot of that stuff? Is that is kind of um, conservation, all that stuff, pretty pretty uh, hot topic over there? I think we are probably better at uh, working on renewable energy and right. things like that than we are on. Yeah. Because Denmark, Denmark is a is an agricultural country, so we have a lot of farming around here. And you know, when a country has a lot of farming, you always have issues um, yeah. around that. Farming first. Because it's first. important. Far- farming yeah, first. Yeah, it's important. Exactly, and it's important for the country yeah. that the that the farmers can do what they're doing and all that you and guys do don't have, pollute you guys don't yeah. have really a, like a um you know necessarily an endangered uh endangered species where you that takes precedent over the agriculture sort of thing uh or we do have that in 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 some cases i would say but i'm not i, I don't think it work, works really really well to be honest i yeah. think we can learn more about this from other countries, mm. but I think do think a lot of things are good here because, as I said, uh, a lot of we got a lot of wind energy here now, and I think today it's more than I think with Denmark is covered with I think sixty percent of the use of energy in Denmark comes from wind. So it 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 is it is I think there we are ahead of the curve, but it's but maybe and that and that's you know that's important for our nature and. Oh yeah, uh, what have you as well? But it is just it's, sometimes we we still see cases where you 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 get polluted streams and from farming and all that. It, it it's not over yet. <laughs> I hear you. I, think I hear it, you. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, let, let's we mentioned at the start about uh, some of your books. Can you just describe? Um, I'm not sure how many books you have out there, <laughs> but yeah, a couple of your books. <laughs> yeah, it isn't it? It's, it's it's the back in the days. I was younger. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, 
It's it's. I think the last book I made was maybe I can't remember. It's almost it's been a while. Almost twenty years ago. Oh I wow, think. that's that's cool. Yeah, it's. Uh, what, what got you in? Well, maybe just. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to talk about. Maybe just pick one out that we can. Uh, can you still find these books out there anywhere? I, I'm not sure. I, yeah. I, I think. I, I, I don't think they're available anymore. To be honest, it was about fly tying. It's all be. It's all be. Always been about fly fishing and fly tying. And these were fly tying books. I, I was not more than thirty years old. So it's almost twenty five years ago. To be honest, there you go. So it's. Uh, I, I knew it all back then. Yeah, you know that. When you're younger, you know it all. That's right. Now so, you don't, I don't know it. So do you have a? <laughs> do you, Do you want to throw out a name so we can try to dig one up on the uh, the the Google machine or? <laughs> I just. I think you, if you just Google my name and write. Books. I think you'd probably find it. So, if you looked at that book now, you picked it up and you read it, would you be, would you be happy with reading it, or would it be would it kind of make you cringe a little bit? <laughs> no, I think I'll still be happy because it 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 was kind of you know if you look, you probably have it the same way when you look back at things you've done when you were younger, you can still kind of imagine how it was when you had that age, and you thought, as I said, I said with that book, I think we put in maybe. 100 patterns we used at that time. Oh, cool. I probably not use a lot of those patterns today, but we thought we that was that's awesome. That was what we loved back then, and it was uh, yeah, it's kind of a time machine, you can say, and, exactly. and you, you can look back. And I'm still proud of what we did there, and, and I still have a few of those flies in my boxes. So it was not it was not too bad. There you go. But for sure, yeah. we are we are in an, in an evolving hobby. So I think. Especially the last ten years, I think a lot of things have happened. I think we're getting closer and closer to, to from what you see in the spinning and 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 lure industry and and trying to recreate that with our flies. And a lot of things have changed, to in a better way. To be honest, it's not so, it's not locked anymore. You must do it like this. You must have five wraps of tinsel on your salmon right. fly, otherwise it wouldn't work. And that's what I grew up with. So it's, uh, hmm. I think it's positive that. People are so creative now. Good deal. Cool. Um, And you're, so as far as resources, you obviously, um, you know, we talked about Poffit. Any other uh, books, magazines, uh, people we might want to look at to kind of dig into pike fishing a little more that you? Yeah. Yeah. I must say I'm, I'm very much into books. I still are. And I still am. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very fantastic resource for, and, and I think you have some, some really good writers in the U.S. We mentioned Bob Popovich, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of other guys out there doing a really good job, and they have so much knowledge. And I, I'm thankfully they still want to share it in books and not just on. Uh, Rick Stolis just came up with a book, and and it it is books like that are very important to me and Pat uh, Pat Cohn, I think. Yep. So it's uh, and they it's important. I think I'm happy that. There's still publish publisher out there that uh, wants to do books. And I know it's difficult these days because a lot of a lot of things are online today. But I think we should support and still buy books and learn mm-hmm. from them. It's definitely, uh, definitely. and yeah. I, I do for sure. That's great. Yeah, yeah I, I will put a link to the. I actually had recently. Um, Rich uh, Strollis and uh, Pat Cohen on uh, different episodes. Ah, yeah, I'll put links. Yeah, there. they were great. Yeah, Pat. Yeah, um, sure. Pat talked about tying the big, uh, you know, all the, the deer hair stuff, and I'm sure he he probably yeah. mentioned your hooks as well. And then uh, Rich Strollis yeah. definitely mentioned you guys. He he said he loves yeah. he loves your hooks as well. So yeah, it's all yeah. you know, obviously a 
a cool little, um, you know, you're good. I mean, those guys are tied to the big stuff and, you know, and that's what you special, I mean, would you say your company, I mean, as we start to wrap this thing up, um, you know, do you specialize more? That is your thing, the big, the big hooks, the big, uh, more than some of the other types of, of hooks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right there. Actually, I, even though that we want to kind of cover it all, I think we have become known as the brand who takes care of the big hooks, I must say. So we're selling more big hooks than small hooks. And we do have a pretty pretty big freshwater series with all the dry fly and nymphs and all that as well, and which is just as important as it is for with all the big hooks. But I think I think that's where we I think that's where we came from and 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 it's uh, yeah, I think it's uh, and I think there's a lot of more, a lot more good freshwater hooks out there, like nymphs and dries and all that. I think I think we kind of uh, the big hooks was a smaller niche, you can say, and we we kind of covered that in the beginning. Yeah. And I think people recognize that. So yeah, I think I, right. I agree that we probably we're probably more known for the big hooks than big hooks than the small hooks. That's perfect. I would say that's perfect. Um, so I got a couple of questions to ra- take us out of here. And, yeah. and one of them, you know, you mentioned at the start, I think you got fishing when, or you started when you were 17 or in that range. If you look back at your, let's say your 20 year old self, you know, back when you were 20, this is a while back. Mm. I mean, what, what advice would you, yeah. give, what, what advice would you give to that kid, uh, that you, you know, now that, that maybe would help him? Yeah, I would say one thing that has been really, really important for me is not just to be locked in one species. Try fish with the fly for all species you can find. Hmm. It's so, you learn so much and you can, I fish for all kind of species. It doesn't matter what species I'm looking for. I think it's still fun and you learn so much from, you can use some of the techniques you use for pike, you can use that for uh, some of the saltwater species and uh, vice versa. So I think that's uh, don't don't be too narrow-minded. I would actually. Yeah, and the same flies. You're using the same. You're using a pike fly on different species. Exactly, and you can maybe downsize it a little bit for mm-hmm. other species, or you can upsize it if you need to do that. So it's uh, maybe a few of the colors and maybe another hook, and you can do these small tweaks to to that's your cool. patterns. But yeah, but I think I think, and I see that more and more, and. and a lot of people are getting focused on just one species, salmon, for example. And I think, and I wouldn't say it's wrong, but I just think it's uh, you. If you're a young angler, and just I think you should keep an eye out and try as much as you can, and just yeah, enjoy fly That's fishing. Right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I would totally. say that. I, uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll second that. I have a friend, Greg uh, Weisgerber is a good buddy of mine. He's, he just loves fly tying and I'm not sure if he uses your hooks or not, but I, he gave me uh he tied me some flies for salt water, just some basic mm. stuff on my last, um, you know, just some general stuff, man. But I've been using this little fly. I don't even know what he calls it, but I've man, I was just fishing for smallmouth bass with my kids and that was a, the best fly. So, yeah. you know, it's just like, yeah, especially these flies where they they're just I don't know they're flashy that you can use them on also, and I'm sure it would work yeah. on on trout as well in the right condition. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think in general I think that's what's happening these years. People are more aware of all the species species we can fish on a fly. It's mm-hmm. not just trout, trout and salmon yeah. and and bass anymore. It's it's everything you can, yeah, everything you can imagine. So I also because you have a lot of development in lines and rods and reels. And flies and hooks, so you 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 can actually t- you target every species you want. It 
it's it's not impossible anymore. And I do you have a, a a species on your bucket list you haven't hit yet, but that you want to get to before <laughs> before we head out of here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, but as I, I can't remember the name. I was I, I have a I was I was communicating with a friend on Instagram. He was from oh some part of the southern part of the U.S. where you had. But it doesn't really matter. I just thought it was very beautiful. I, I, I'll have to look the name up. I, I can put it on the, you can put it on the comments, and I, I'll look it up and see what species is what. That's actually on my book. It's probably it's probably pretty common fish. I don't. I, I just just thought it looked really beautiful. Gotcha. I wonder so, if it's a, some sort of a, like a sunfish, like a, a, a is it like a bluegill or something like that, or something like a. Bluegill? Yeah, I think I don't think it was one of those, but it's probably in the same family. Something I would close. say. I, I, yeah. I'll look it up. I have it somewhere in my. Yeah, that's cool. No, I'm I'm interested to hear. We'll we'll put a link to, a link to that. And um, and then what about on your you you obviously tie a lot of flies and you've got Instagram. You're doing a great job there. What do you um? Thank you. You know what do you what's your vice? What, what, what's your vice you use? And then and we'll talk about your other vice here. But what, what is your what's your vice of choice right now? Uh, it's a regal. Okay. Uh, I must say yeah. it's it's a. Uh, yeah, regals are great. There's a lot, again there. There's a lot of fantastic vices out there. But I think it, it, it's it's just a you know it, it's a really reliable vice. It's been around for many many years, and it's it's it you know it's super durable and all that, and easy to to easy to use. So yeah, I'm a I use my Regal. What about your vice? So this is on a different. I'm not sure if the uh, language uh, kind of uh, conversion, but you know, vice. What anything you do that maybe is something you've had to quit in your life, or something that's kind of been maybe maybe a negative thing that you've. Uh, you know, you've partaken in it. Could be, you know, like some people. Mm. Some people were smoking and they had to quit. Any anything like that that you can give us a little shout, a little insight into your history. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Uh, hmm. I'm putting you, I'm putting you on the spot here, but. Uh, I, yeah. I can tell you my. I'll, as you think, <laughs> as you think, I'll tell you my. I haven't really talked about this too much, but. Um, for years, uh, I chewed tobacco, which is a really disgusting habit, you know, tobacco it's mm. over here. It's kind of, um, you know, I guess it used to be maybe a popular thing, but I quit that when my first kid was born and, um, yeah. you know, and it's been the greatest thing ever quitting it because I'm just obviously healthier and all that stuff. But I'm not sure if you have something like I that or if it's just like, no, something I think like, I got, I think I get what you mean. And, and I think, uh, I'm constantly reminded about it, and, and actually now you bring it up, I should maybe pay attention to that mm -hmm. again. It's it's all it's also something to do with the conversation uh, conservation. Actually, it's it's whole kick plastic thing. All right. I, I do buy too many soft drinks in plastic. Yep. I should kick plastic. Yep, that's a great. It is a hard one to do. I'm really bad at that. I to know. be honest, it's and and you know being in this industry and doing what we do and love it so much. We do have a system over here where we can hand the plastic bottles back to the shop and get paid and all that, which is fantastic. And I, I do that. I do that. I don't throw them out just in the, in the garbage can and all that. But I still think I could do better on that. I would kick. I would say yes. Kick that's plastic. what I would do. I love it. Love yeah. It. Uh, what about what about Arex <laughs> hooks? Anything that um, nobody knows about? Something a little insider stuff that maybe you've never told anybody. Any uh, what, what would be a little a little thing that nobody what what, what does nobody know about uh, your company that maybe is interesting? No, okay. I thought it was a new something new coming out. I, oh no! I can tell you a little secret. I can tell you. Yeah. We have something going with Gunnar Brammer. Oh, cool. Yeah, 
a new hook design. Oh, there you go. So that's coming. That's coming out in the next uh, the next six months or a year or so. Yeah, they will probably be out in October or something like that. Uh, hopefully, we'll get the first hooks in August. So, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. All right. Perfect. Perfect. We'll we'll stay tuned for that and all. It, it, it's yeah. that's pretty 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 rad fly hook. I can tell you that it's uh, it's. Uh, I don't think. You, you haven't seen anything out there like it. Nice. I don't know if people will like it. We'll see. It's a uh, it's a bit of a it's a very special thing actually. So yep, that's best kept secret I have. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that, Morton. So uh, so yeah. Well, okay. uh, I, I just wanted to thank you for coming on and, and sharing a little insight into kind of what you have going and some tips on uh, Pike and yeah, just appreciate you coming on and, and we'll keep in touch with you as move as we move forward here. And thank you for having me. It was a big pleasure. I hope you can understand all my all my English with Danish accent. Oh, I yeah. I, you did awesome. I loved it. So, yeah, we'll talk okay. to you soon. All right. Okay. See ya. Great. Thanks. So, there you go. If you want to find all of the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to webflyswing.com slash 150. That is 150 episodes. And that's actually... Technically, I don't know exactly, but there's more because we actually had some that weren't listed with episode numbers, but we're just going to keep it at 150. And I just wanted to say, um, (laughs) holy crap, that's a lot. Um, Since December of 2017, I have not missed a single week of podcasting. I've been coming to you every Tuesday uh, with new episodes, so I'm very happy that you are with me on this journey. Um, I'm happy that um, you found some helpful information along the way, some entertaining stories, a better connection with the natural world, with this community. Maybe you've connected with somebody along the way, maybe met somebody new, talked to somebody, uh, learned about somebody. And I feel like a 150 more episodes is going to be um, even better than the first. It, it, uh, I can't say it's been easy all the time, you know, to stick with it, but um but I, I just feel like I'm going to keep uh, pushing this thing stronger. So I look forward to hearing from you and to better understand where you're coming from, what's going on, and to keep you up to date on the show. Um, this is not my show. I feel very strongly about that. Um, this is definitely your show. Uh, so I love, love, love to hear from you. And if you haven't checked in with me, please uh, take a moment if you've never connected with me and, and let me know who you are. I'd love to hear about you. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to celebrate... Um, you know, celebrate what we have going 150, right? I mean, this is, this is, uh, I'm not sure if you've listened to all 150 episodes in the past. If you've uh, listened to one or all 150, um, I feel like uh, it's just been totally amazing. So um, just want to uh, just say thank you again. And, and uh, the little surprise here is I've got a little early intro into a poetry read. Um, if you wanted to uh, potentially read some of the poetry coming up, I'd like to hear from you on that too, because I'd like to find some other people um, that can do this. So let's uh, let's jump into this. No business. I weighed remnants of No Business Creek. There used to be a still tucked up the gulch beyond the shack we tore down. Folks would say he had no business being up there. Creek trips into river blends. Ben's right. Cottonwood angles over a deep cut. In August, heat, we strip and sink, wash off work dust in the shade. September, I come alone to cast, short flicks over shadows, snagging flies in bushes, practice, impatience, the untangling. A hit of pleasure at a fly precisely placed, 
white hackles bobbing, sometimes lost in bursts of light on water. The surface of the world is warming, waking. No business needs my attention. Morning slips into day, the still air undisturbed by speech. Nora Esty holds a doctorate in mathematics from UC Berkeley and published articles on topological dynamics. She now lives off the grid in Eastern Oregon, writing poetry, raising sheep, and fly fishing. That sounds like an amazing, uh, <laughs> an amazing person, an amazing life. Uh, Nora, not sure if you're listening to this, but uh, I hope to meet you and I appreciate you for sharing um, the poetry. And um, that's awesome, man, off the grid. Oregon Poetry. You know, right now, August, I guess right now it's August when we're, we're doing this, or it's actually not August, it's July. Right now, um, it's July when I bring this, but when this goes out, when you're listening to it, if you're listening to it right away, it's going to be August. Maybe it's, and that's August of 2021. You also might be listening to this in August of 2030. Could you imagine that? 2030. I'll be in my 50s. Um Anyways, you know how much I love the podcast, the podcasting. Uh, I've got a bunch of stuff going on and, um, you know, appreciate, uh, I appreciate being alive. So um, let's make the most of the, this year and get on the water. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Let's do one more read. One more read. <clears throat> I weighed remnants of No Business Creek. There used to be a still tucked up the gulch beyond the shack we tore down. Folks would say he had no business being up there. Creek trips into rivers, blends, bends right. That's wrong. All right, one last time. If I don't get it, I'm going to skip it. I weighed remnants of No Business Creek. There used to be a still tucked up the gulch beyond the shack we tore down. Folks would say... He had no business being up there. Creek trips into river, blends, bends right. Cottonwood angles over a deep cut. In August heat, we strip and sink, wash off work dust in the shade. September, I come alone to cast short flicks over shadows. I'm going to skip it because I just made an error and the other one was just one letter and I'm going to stop there and just call it good. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. I'm going to leave these cuts in as bonus 
bonus. As you can see that I definitely take multiple cuts and I'm not perfect. Actually, if you've been listening to this, you know that I'm not perfect because I've made plenty of errors along the way. But as uh, as all good, um, as any people that are, uh, if you want to get good at something, what's the secret? Keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. All right. Have a good night. What is the best takeaway, or not takeaway, what's the best message to leave off on? The best message to leave off, or the best single word you could say. Um, Love is the answer.